The New Orleans Saints have their pick of major adjustments that they could make to try to improve the team, but will a big move like benching Jameis Winston or making some changes in terms of play calling be enough to save the New Orleans Saints season? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always. Make it Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we're free and available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, CrescentCitySports.com, USA Today's Saints Wire, Tuesday's Locked On NFL. And here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And the big questions in today's episode are the ones that we're going, or really the big questions around the New Orleans Saints are the ones that we're going to be asking in this episode. We'll give a shout out to some young stars who are shining, but for the New Orleans Saints, this play calling the issue and with Jameis Winston being benched help make the New Orleans Saints better throughout the rest of 2022, at least until he's healthy. As we all know, Jameis Winston is dealing with four fractured vertebrae in his back, as well as an ankle injury, and of course is less than a year removed from an ACL tear that he worked very, very hard over the course of the offseason to make it back from very quickly. Does that end up meaning that the New Orleans Saints, as Jameis Winston is recovering and dealing with all of these concerns, should look to Andy Dalton to run the offense while Jameis Winston continues to heal up? To that, I wonder, is that enough? Is that all of the New Orleans Saints' problems? Is it really all come down to Jameis Winston? I don't think so. Is benching Jameis Winston going to stop the pre-snap penalties and procedural penalties that the New Orleans Saints consistently shot themselves in the foot with over the course of the past two games? Is it going to mitigate the fumbling by that the running back position? Is it going to mitigate the turnovers as well? Certainly could help to mitigate the interceptions, but even the two interceptions that are going to be credited against Jameis Winston and Sunday's matchup against the Carolina Panthers, hard to put all on him with a zero blitz barreling down his face, being tipped up into the air, a pass by J.C. Horn, or a pass being tipped up in the air by J.C. Horn and picked off by a defensive lineman, and then another one with about 17 seconds left in the game when you're just trying to see if you can make anything at all happen, and so you throw it to the one guy that's been producing throughout the game, or the one guy that's been able to stay on the field and produce throughout the game in Chris Olave, and of course that one ends up intercepted as well. But outside of that, is there enough, really, when you look at Jameis Winston to say changing from Jameis Winston to Andy Dalton is going to solve all your problems? I don't think it's that simple for the New Orleans Saints. It's certainly a pathway that you can go, but even if you did that, you still have other things that you have to clean up. We mentioned the procedural penalties. We mentioned the fumbling issues, but also the protection issues that you're having on the offensive line. It seems like the offensive line just can't seem to figure out where pressure is going to be coming from. Now, on Sunday's game against Carolina, it was a little bit different. Didn't seem to be many misdiagnosis uh, issues for the New Orleans Saints in terms of pass rush and protection just seemed to be the fact that Carolina was sending more players than the uh, New Orleans Saints could block. And with some longer developing routes downfield, they didn't really get the opportunity to get the ball out of Jameis Winston's hands in time. That happened, it looked like a couple of times, once on the sack and then once on that aforementioned 
uh, J.C. Horn tip up that ended up becoming an interception. So for the Saints, I think it's understandable why this team and and you know Dennis Allen uh, at least for this point or at least to this point have continued to say no, we're sticking with Jameis Winston and and seeming pretty comfortable moving ahead uh, with the young quarterback there as opposed to going to what is probably you know one of the best backups in the NFL in Andy Dalton. But how much longer can you do that, right? Is there a certain point at which you have to at least give that a try? I think maybe we find that out after London, perhaps, if the New Orleans Saints offense comes out flat again against the Minnesota Vikings in London, then maybe you start to look at that in terms of your return home against a very beatable Seattle Seahawks team in the Superdome. Perhaps that's the time to get that done. But even still, you're going to have to fix and address all of the other issues that lie around this team. And you get these guys to hold on to the football and not put the football on the ground as much, which is something that this New Orleans Saints team has emphasized for so long, just a couple of years removed from setting an NFL record with the fewest turnovers uh, in the NFL. I believe that season was only eight turnovers, maybe seven. They've already surpassed that with nine turnovers on the season here through the first three games, multiple turnovers in several. So it, it's hard to really point to one thing and say, hey, if the New Orleans Saints fix this, or if the New Orleans Saints change that, then everything's going to be better. And so does having continuity at quarterback actually help you when you're trying to make all of those decisions, make all of those adjustments, and make all of those changes on a weekly basis, it seems at this point? I think there's an argument in favor of that. While I completely understand the argument by others saying, no, change the quarterback and see if you can get better play, and if nothing else, allow Jameis Winston to get healthy. But everyone seems pretty adamant that the injury isn't what's causing any of the issues. And certainly as you watch these games and as you rewatch these games, you can see all of the sort of other concerns around. I mean, changing Jameis Winston isn't going to help you make field goals, right? Changing Jameis Winston isn't going to help you tackle on the defensive side. So some of those other things that are happening on other parts of the team obviously don't get impacted by a decision like this. So that's why I sort of understand the organization's want or at least desire to hear in the early goings, stand by their quarterback and then try to get the adjustments to work elsewhere around him. Dennis Allen, very, very adamant and, and, and consistently repeating that it wasn't just Jameis Winston necessarily, that it was the pieces around him that have to play better as well, that coaching has to be better, that you know the, the special teams has to be better. But it's tough. It's tough to ignore. And as I mentioned in the postcast earlier today, our live show after, uh, right as the game concluded, or or soon after the game concluded, you'd be disingenuous to sit back and look at this team and say, hey, there's nothing wrong here. Everything's going to be fine, right? But I understand not, not wanting to give up hope and you're starting quarterback if you're the New Orleans Saints. And at the same time, as a you know fan of of the team for those you know for for those that watch. I understand them not wanting to give up on their team either, but as of right now, you've got to see these New Orleans Saints find a way to improve, particularly over on the offensive side. And again, switching out Jameis Winston for Andy Dalton is certainly a path and a choice that they could make, and I don't think that anyone would necessarily fault them for making that decision, but is that really your only issue, and is that going to fix the other issues that have continuously kind of shot you in the foot? I don't think so. The penalties, sort of shooting yourselves in the foot, kind of stepping on your own toes, all of that, that's not going to get better just because you changed from a guy that has a you know extremely high upside in Jameis Winston to a game manager in Andy Dalton. At some point, you actually kind of need the ceiling of Jameis Winston if you're going to want to do anything 
with this New Orleans Saints offense. But if they can get things clicking and then start to you know figure out the rhythm and get all of that uh, uh, going, particularly in the early goings of the game, then no matter who's at quarterback, they're going to be able to produce and they're going to be better. And certainly, you hope that Jameis Winston is the guy that gets to be at quarterback at this time. At that time, but if he starts to turn the ball over or anything like that and starts to sort of meet those concerns that we've been saying, hey, it's not an issue, it's not an issue, and then all of a sudden it becomes an issue, then obviously you can't turn a blind eye to that either. So look for the Saints to continue to honestly evaluate the quarterback position as they move forward, but they'll still need to figure out what's going on elsewhere on this team as well if they want to start winning games again. One of the other big questions is, does it all come down to the play calling? Pete Carmichael, the first time in his career, really stepping in as the New Orleans Saints play caller outside of times where he's called plays here and there, or or Sean Payton has been out and he's had to call plays in his stead. Is there an issue with the play calling? I'll tell you why some concerns are certainly warranted as we continue on here with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at BetterHelp, because today's podcast is brought to you and sponsored by better help. So this is uh, an, an awesome service that I absolutely love. Uh, it's a great and, and easy way to make therapy more accessible. And I know sometimes it's hard to admit when you need help. And even when you are willing to say, hey, I need this, I need help, I need somebody to talk to, sometimes it can be even harder to find the right person. That's one of the things that I love about BetterHelp is you jump on their website, you answer a few questions, kind of fill out a questionnaire, tell them a little bit about yourselves. And then they end up going and picking a uh, therapist and uh, uh, online licensed therapist that can be there with you that's already a good match. And even if they end up not being a good match, you can change therapists free of charge. And then you can go ahead and make appointments online or through your phone. Uh, you could do them as video calls. You can do them as a phone call if you don't want to turn your video on. You can even do it all through live chat as well. So they also make it super accessible to make sure that you get through all the hard parts, right? Admitting when you need it, finding it when you need it, and then making sure you're able to take advantage of it because you need it. So if you're dealing with something, if you have some problems, anything like that, BetterHelp can better help you equip yourself to be that problem solver. So if you want to be a better problem solver for yourself, therapy can help get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on, and you'll get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Uh, and we appreciate you very much for being here, even after a New Orleans Saints loss. I hate having to do these Misery Monday episodes, but we're, we're two in a row now, hoping to be able to see if that can change uh, after the New Orleans Saints take on the Minnesota Vikings in London, which I'll be headed to uh, later on today. So uh, looking forward to all of that. So we, we spoke a little bit in that last piece about Jameis Winston and how Switching out the quarterback is certainly a way that the New Orleans Saints could go, but does that really solve all the problems? And it's kind of that's the the number one question surrounding the team right now. Kind of the second question surrounding the team is, what about offensive play calling? Are, are things really going the way that they should be over on the offensive side? And and I will say this: if you look at the offensive play calling for the New Orleans Saints, wide receivers are getting open, the route concepts are working, things like that. They've added some kind of new wrinkles to the run game that have proven to be beneficial. Alvin Kamara averaged over four yards a carry in this game, but again, they kind of abandoned the run game a little early, kind of switched over to the passing game. And after a certain point, you kind of have to do that when you're when you're a team that's trailing anyway. But 
I, I think that's one thing that kind of points to a little bit of concern around play calling. But here's where I think the biggest concern around play calling has been so far. Uh, part of the New Orleans Saints issue so far this season is how often they've had to operate behind schedule. And so behind schedule just means that when you start off with a first and 10, logically you want to gain yards there, right? So getting a second and eight, getting a second and six by picking up two or four yards that helps you play on schedule. Getting a second and two because you picked up eight yards, that kind of helps you play ahead of schedule so that you can keep your second and third downs a little bit more manageable. What you don't want to be doing is playing behind schedule to where you're at a second and 10. And then if you can't pick up enough yardage on a second and 10, then you're in a third and long situation. New Orleans Saints have had this issue so far this season to where they'll come out, they'll throw on first down, end up being incomplete. And then they're already, bam, they're behind schedule because then they're coming in instead of at a second and eight, second and five, something like that. They're at a second and 10. The issue is what happens next? Six times in this game against the Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints threw an incomplete pass on first down and then ran the ball on second down. And very rarely did they pick up more than four yards on that second and 10. So a lot of their third downs, 13 total third downs in this game, ended up being played behind schedule, a sort of a third and long. Anything basically third and six or longer, you're effectively behind schedule at that point. I would even go so far as to say third and five or longer. You're you know, you're, you're behind schedule at that point. And so the play calling kind of became a little bit predictable in terms of what the Saints would do on a second and 10, right? That they continuously ran the ball in those circumstances after throwing an incompletion on first down. But then also you saw how often the Saints threw on first down. You saw how often the New Orleans Saints ended up having to throw on third and long, which allows defenses to kind of pin their ears back and things like that. And so it just, it, the, the more behind schedule you play, the easier it is for a defense to diagnose what it is that you're going to do because your 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 options become more and more limited. So I mentioned that the Saints oftentimes spent a lot of time playing behind schedule, playing sort of these third and long situations. Out of the, or th- let me say through, the Saints 13 third downs, which they converted only uh, five, uh, the Saints ended up having an average third down distance of 8.3 yards. So third and longs pretty consistently there. 10 of which were third and six or longer. So again, behind schedule. Five out of those 10 were ended up being for more or uh, for 10 yards or more. So third and 10 or longer uh, for five of those third downs. And two of those ended up being ones that were actually third and short, third and five or shorter, but then ended up getting backed up because of penalties on third down. So that's another example of the New Orleans Saints simply shooting themselves in the foot, the play calling, keeping them operating behind schedule. And then in cases where they did actually get a little bit ahead of schedule, did have that third and manageable on two different occasions, they end up being called with the penalty flagged, and then it ends up moving them back and then it becoming a third and 10 or a longer, a third and very long. So for the Saints, you have to be able to get all of that right, right? And that's kind of what you were hoping that this game against the Carolina Panthers was going to be. You were hoping that this game was going to kind of be the get right game for the New Orleans Saints offense. So that didn't prove to be the case. Maybe Minnesota can be the case there or start to be the case there. Maybe see a little bit of a glimpse of life, signs of life for the New Orleans Saints offense at that point. And then, you know, hopefully against the Seattle Seahawks, which again, 
Should be a winnable game at home, though the Saints haven't been excellent at home over the course of the past few seasons. You hope that that's really when this offense kind of finds its rhythm and then gets going, because then the schedule just kind of gets atrocious. After that, it gets much more challenging than opening the season with the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. So, but but in order for you to take advantage of any of that, you can't be playing behind schedule. You can't be playing kick up and you uh, pick up, and you certainly can't be kicking yourselves in the butt with all of the penalties, particularly procedural penalties, pre-snap penalties, pre-snap identification issues, things like that. So it, again, it, it's another one of those things to where can you look at play calling and say, it's the whole issue? No. Can you look at play calling and say, hey, maybe there's something to this creating a little bit of an issue or creating one of many different issues? Yes. And, and I think that's just simply where the New Orleans Saints offense is. I mean, you know, it's more than just saying, oh, well, they had a bad game here. I mean, this is now two games in a row, really three games in a row, where the New Orleans Saints offense has shown signs of life at certain points, but not consistently quarters one through four, or even in the first half, for that matter. I mean, the Saints have been not very good in the first half. So uh, I look at the Saints right now, and 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 again, I I'm not going to say, okay, it's time to close the book on this team. They're, they're one and two through three games. There's 14 games left in the season. There's so much more that can happen. The NFC South does, admittedly doesn't look great right now. Even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look beatable. And so uh, I look at this team as one that still has an opportunity ahead of it. And that's kind of the way that Cam Jordan talked about it as well in his post-game presser, that they're is an opportunity ahead of this team to kind of shift, get things right, and get going. It's just that we have to see that start to come to fruition. And as of right now, it's hard to kind of see those little glimpses, those little diamonds, those little silver linings that make you go, okay, everything's going to be good. Now, while there aren't really any silver linings out there to say, hey, the New Orleans Saints are going to be just fine, uh, there are silver linings out there that are pieces that you can build on so that you can start to kind of mount success over the course of the off season or the, the regular season. And a big part of that is Chris Olave. Another big part of that is Pete Werner. So let's speak a little bit on and break down a little bit about what's so special about these players, kind of end on a positive note here and how they have been the, scene, the, the, the silver linings of this team on the offense and defensive side as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Let's get it. Who that Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Try to finish this one on a little bit of a good note. Uh, you know, not able to really be the usual, bring in the usual positivity around this team right now because it would be disingenuous to say, hey, everything's fine, right? And that there's no reason to panic or no reason to be concerned. But I will say that there are reasons to also be still excited about what this team does have in terms of its talent and its potential. Uh, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, both unfortunately dealing with injuries. Hopefully they're able to get back out on the field soon because New Orleans Saints offensive roster is probably the thing that continuously gives you the most hope about this team, even when there are inefficiencies or, or inefficacies and things like that that have caused issues for the Saints team in terms of getting rolling. But one of the brightest and shining spots over on the offensive side, despite all of its struggles, has been rookie Chris Olave. He's got 17 receptions so far this season that ties him or puts him in a the, the, the third most uh, receptions for any New Orleans Saints rookie through his first three games. Ties him with Michael Thomas, who back in 2016 also had 17 receptions through his first three games. Puts him right behind Brandon Cooks, who had uh, 2000, and, or sorry, in, in his rookie season had 18 receptions throughout his first three. 
who's also behind Reggie Bush, who had 19 in his first three. So uh, Chris Olave in good company there in terms of the guys that were able to have a major impact for this New Orleans Saints team, their rookie season. So on top of that, he also had a 147-yard receiving game on nine catches against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. So that gives him the sixth highest rookie single game total for the New Orleans Saints in their entire franchise's history, right behind guys like uh, Michael Thomas and Danny Abramowitz, as well as uh, Marcus Colston, who actually owns the top two uh, digits there at, at 160 plus yards. So Chris Olave coming in there as the you know sixth most receiving yards in a single game for the New Orleans Saints in terms of a rookie wide receiver in their first uh, in their first year. So really good stuff in terms of who Chris Olave has proven to be so far, and he's been somebody special despite the. Uh, struggles of the New Orleans Saints offense. So it just makes you wonder that if the New Orleans Saints offense does figure things out and they have all of their pieces healthy and everything, just how much more special a guy like Chris Olave could be. So far, he's turned out to be exactly what it is that we thought he was going to be coming into the NFL, coming out of Ohio State, where he was absolutely electrifying and he's been electrifying in New Orleans as well. And he's been somebody that maybe is maybe the most trusted receiver for uh, Jameis Winston so far targeting him 25 times over the course of the past two games. Now, some of the targets that he picked up in this game happened after both Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry were out with injury. But even before that, J- Jameis Winston had no hesitations going to Chris Olave early and often throughout the game. So, uh, you know, to get nine catches in just his third game in the NFL, 147 receiving yards, unfortunately, no one's really talking about it because. It's hard to walk away and celebrate the individual when you know that the team lost. But if the New Orleans Saints offense are able to get going, they clearly have a very special weapon who they invested that first, that earliest first round draft pick. And the guy that Dennis Allen said they came into that draft knowing that they needed to leave with in Chris Olave, then you can only you can only imagine that the ceiling is astronomical for the young uh, wide receiver and former Ohio State Buckeye. Over on the defensive side, another Ohio State Buckeye, Pete Werner, continues to impress and really continues to answer all of the questions around why the New Orleans Saints didn't pursue reuniting or bringing back linebacker Quan Alexander, who had two tackles in his matchup as a New York Jet going up against the Cincinnati Bengals. Pete Werner, for the second time in three games, comes in with double-digit tackles and leads the team in tackles in that game. He now leads the team in tackles on the season as well with 11 combined tackles in this game. He had 12 combined tackles back in week one. He's also showing you what he can do in coverage, making some big plays, making some big hits, showing you what he can do in run support. He and uh, Demario Davis shot right up the A-gaps at one point, getting a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield. So the sort of all-around capabilities of Pete Werner still showing game in and game out in terms of what it is that makes him special and why the New Orleans Saints gave him the vote of confidence as opposed to going out and making sure that they created a situation that Quan Alexander wanted to be in New Orleans for. And I think that's a big indication. It's not just the money that they didn't spend or anything like that. It's kind of the role, right? Did Quan Alexander want to be a backup or did he want to go somewhere where he could start? If he didn't want to be a backup, then in order for the New Orleans Saints to keep him, they would have effectively had to say, okay, well, we'll start you over Pete Werner. So they would have had to carve out a role for him. But now that you're seeing what Pete Werner is and who it is that the New Orleans Saints believe that he could be here throughout these first three games, I don't think that it's there's any doubt here that the New Orleans Saints made the right choice by not 
sticking him behind Quan Alexander for another year and instead letting him come out and prove to you exactly who he is next to Demario Davis. And so the New Orleans Saints clearly making the right decision there. Now, as for other young pieces around this team, you've seen, uh, you know, kind of young to the team, not the youngest player on the defense by any means, but young to the team. Justin Evans made several really nice plays. Marshawn Lattimore continues to be exactly who we knew he would be. And Marcus Davenport got a lot of pressure uh, in this game, got quite a bit, quite a few pressures in this game and one off the line of scrimmage a couple of times immediately uh, against his uh, his opposition over on the Carolina Panthers offensive line. So you could see sort of the young stars that are finding ways to shine, but you just need to be able to put all of it together if you're the New Orleans Saints so that you can really, really capitalize on what's in front of you. So the Saints still have a longer way to go than any of us had hoped in terms of getting it all together uh, out on the field. But once they're able to do that, they have the young pieces to be able to continue to build and build and build as that momentum starts to pick up. Coming up in tomorrow's episode here on Locked on Saints, we'll discuss a little bit more about the, the intricate numbers that will help the New Orleans Saints get their separation. Not an issue for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the run game, not really a big issue for the New Orleans Saints in this one. But where did it all kind of fall apart? We'll break it down with a deeper dive and an analytical look in tomorrow's Analytics Tuesday. Appreciate you as always for coming through for another episode of Locked on Saints for making us your first listen of the day every day. Make sure you drop your answer to today's question of the day in the chat. What should the New Orleans Saints do to address their offensive woes? Uh, you can also tweet me at Ross Jackson Nola and let me know your answers there. In the meanwhile, for your second listen today, make sure you go and check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show to get all of the NFL insight that you need in less than 30 minutes. And don't forget to go and check out Jake Madison over at Locked On Pelicans with the New Orleans Pelicans season right around the corner, preseason on the way, media uh, days on the way. So much for you to check out. He's got six questions ahead of media days ready for you already over at Locked On Pelicans. Make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate you as always making me a part of your day, part of your routine, saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints, Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know what family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.